Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes of public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. This episode is sponsored by the Finest Service Organization, a provider of line of duty death loan protection through many of our POCUA institutions. Hi, I'm Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio. And if you're watching the video version, you might be asking, why am I wearing a Hawaiian shirt for episode 50? Uh, the end of season two, which you probably can guess, is we're going on a little vacation. Uh, season three will start up in late 2021, uh, but we will have a little hiatus here. Uh, but for the last episode, our guest is Tom Kovac from the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Foundation. And he is doing an amazing job, not just in Las Vegas, uh, but in many other areas. You'll hear us talk about that. But I wanted to make a special point that he is putting together a police foundation summit in Las Vegas on October 18th and 19th. I'll put the link in both the YouTube version as well as our podcast version of this particular episode, especially since our POCUA annual event, which happens to be the Public Safety Business Summit, has been postponed a bit um, to try and ride out this Delta variant. Uh, our event will, of course, be towards the end of March 2022, and you will hear more about that as we begin season three, again, late 2021. Um, but if you are available in mid-October to come to Vegas and join us for the Police Foundation Summit, not only will Tom Kovac be there to greet you, I will be there as well, and I'm really looking forward to it looking forward to what he is trying to accomplish with police foundations. But enough from me. Let's listen to Tom Kovac. I have a really interesting guest. You know, shame on us because we don't do enough in getting executive directors from the great police foundations that we have out there. But we have a great one today. Let me tell you a little bit about him. His name is Tom Kovac. He is the executive director of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department Foundation. Say that fast about 10 times and see if you can get that out. He is also the owner founder of Donor basis which is a consulting firm and i want to hear a little bit about that being a fellow entrepreneur but definitely want to dig into some of the great things that you're doing with the foundation tom welcome to the show man thank you ken it's great to be here great to have you great to have you well you know let's let's dig into the foundation because you're doing not only great things uh but also some some unique and dynamic things from what i understand I know that there are a number of police foundations that are struggling in this environment throughout the country. You know, what makes the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department Foundation different from all the others out there? Well, I don't know if it makes us completely different, but there are three things I think about uh, that really have helped us to not only survive the last year in what has been a difficult environment for law enforcement, uh, to operate, but uh, thrive. Uh, we, about five or six years ago, were raising less than $200,000 a year. And last year we raised uh, about $8 million. 
Uh, and so we've seen a significant that is significant growth uh, over the last few years. And for us, last year uh, was our strongest year ever, uh, despite not only uh, the the unrest following George Floyd's murder, but um, this area of the world, uh, Las Vegas, Southern Nevada, was hit really hard uh, by the shutdown caused by the pandemic. Uh, we are very much a community and an economy dependent on tourism, whether that be corporate tourism, uh, meetings and conventions, or you know, vacation travel. Uh, when that uh, pipeline was completely shut off uh, for several weeks, completely, and then you know, significantly uh, de decreased uh, over months, uh, it was a pretty challenging time for us to, like every other nonprofit in Las Vegas, uh, raise funds. Uh, and so I'd say the three things that uh, give us an advantage um, and have allowed us to continue to do our work and grow and have greater impact uh, is one, we are fortunate that our police department has focused significantly on maintaining positive relationships with the communities they serve. Communities of color, faith-based communities, uh, different ethnic communities uh, around the valley. Uh, and so we haven't seen uh, some of the greater unrest yeah. that other cities across the country experienced, not only since last summer, um, but in times in the past. Yeah. Uh, so the work we do, uh, the work we fund, uh, has created this opportunity for most people, if they know about us, and that's our biggest challenge, but if they know about us, um, they view our work positively. They view the work of our police department positively. And that creates a much better environment uh, for our foundation to do the important work we do, which is primarily raising money uh, for the police department and for public safety initiatives and to build stronger connections and relationships between the communities that our police departments serve. Uh, so the first is the environment. It's been quite strong. It's strong in part because of the funding we're able to give the department uh, to invest in community relations. Um, secondly, we're strong because we're focused, laser focused on those two elements of our mission. We don't get sidetracked. Uh, and three, and I think most importantly, we run our foundation, which is a nonprofit, like a business. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're very focused on what are best business practices that are done day in, day out, in the business world, in the for-profit sector, that all too often those who are leading nonprofits forget about. They think they have to do things differently, uh, and we don't. We're very much keen on maintaining uh, our mission and the focus on that. Uh, we're keen on looking for areas of opportunity and investment, uh, and you know we remain true to uh, the job at hand. Uh, every single one of our employees, uh, because we're primarily a fundraising organization, 
Uh, every one of our employees has a revenue generating function, regardless of their title. Some have a lot more uh, because that's their primary function, um, but others on staff who uh, are focused mostly on a non-fundraising role uh, have uh, a revenue generating component uh, in their job description and in their daily work. And so we believe all of those things has really allowed us to, again, not only survive the last year, but really thrive. Yeah. Yeah. So many things that I, I want to dig into what you just said. Probably the number one thing that keeps resonating in my head is a consultant myself. I'm not a fundraising expert. You have that expertise, but as a consultant myself that's worked with credit unions and nonprofits, the ones that really do succeed, you know, understand the, the, the simple tenets of business and run it like a business. Um, the ones that kind of run it, well, we're a nonprofit, well, we're a charity, well, we're here to give. Yeah, and that's all great. And you need that component as one of your core values, but those organizations really, really struggle. And, and, and seem to, to go by the wayside. And I see that in police foundations. I've had the, the privilege of working with police foundations in a couple of venues, and, and some really seem to get that business concept, while others, you know, pardon my phrase that I'm going to use, you know, have a glorified secretary that, you know, hands out like, you know, badges, plastic badges for people and things of that nature. Uh, fortunately, you know, you're not the latter, you're the former. And that I think you gave a number of 8 million, uh, which is huge. And I know is envious of, of a lot of police foundations out there. Would you, would you say, and you, you gave a few reasons for that, would you say it's partially your uh, prowess and understanding fundraising? Is it the police ties to the community in your particular region? Um, is it those businesses that really want to support what they see? Or is it a combination thereof? Talk more about that. Sure. It's definitely a combination you know, what we have tried to do. So you the took the easy way out. You didn't just say, oh, it's all me. I know what I'm doing. I got here and I did it. You're, it's like you did the political. Okay, that's fine. It was all three. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. no, we, we've, we've built a, a great team and it starts with our board. Uh, we have a board of directors that represents the business community here uh, as well as um, civic leadership in this valley. Uh, that was not the case for our board uh, several years ago. Uh, our board was primarily uh, brass at the police department. Uh, and you know that from an operational standpoint is challenging because we're an independent organization. And if our board is primarily a, a group of people who all report up to the sheriff, uh, which is the head of the agency here in Las Vegas, um, that could call into question the independence of the foundation. Uh, but more importantly, uh, you know, our, our police officers do a great job fighting crime and keeping us safe, but they're not trained to run a nonprofit. They're not trained to fundraise and, and do that type of work. So we have spent uh, the last few years transforming our board of directors into one that represents the community uh, and has great connections and ties to the corporations and businesses uh, that call Las Vegas home or who, who operate here. Uh, and, and so that's made a, 
a, a big difference in our ability to uh, raise the types of funds that we have been able to do. Uh, secondly, uh, you know, we've been able to build a, a, a staff, a, a team here uh, that allows us uh, to be able to put on fundraising events and go to meetings, make presentations, uh, and provide the support and stewardship uh, that we want to provide our donors. And so we've been able to develop some very healthy and strong relationships with the business community here and with households and families uh, and some local foundations uh, who understand and recognize uh, the incredible value to having a safe community. We're not safe, we're not perceived to be safe, we are going to start to lose tourism. Uh, we're not going to encourage businesses to move here and invest right. here. Uh, and so fortunately, that's a message that we've been able to convey effectively and build relationships around uh, that has resulted in fundraising. And the third thing I'll say is we've given our community reasons to give to us. Uh, you know, when we developed this wonderful board, uh, we then said we need to find some ambitious projects that the department wants to undertake and can only undertake if they get funding from us. Uh, and so we, we did a few things. Uh, one, uh, we launched a community engagement fund uh, that allows uh, all of the community-oriented policing teams uh, across the department now to know that they are going to have a significant budget each and every year. They don't have to worry about raising the money themselves in order to conduct the community engagement programming that they want to do. Uh, and if they had to worry about that or when they had to worry about that, they weren't able to plan far in advance and we would get requests at the last minute constantly because they just ran out of time to fundraise and they had to do the event or they had to do the program. So we now invest uh, a six-figure sum uh, in community engagement. Uh, this year, actually, that figure is approaching a million dollars just for the types of programs that the police department knows create stronger relationships uh, with the community, in particular communities that um, are more economically disadvantaged, uh, communities of color, places where uh, it is definitely advantageous for the department to have a strong relationship because it helps them uh, identify, uh, you know, perpetrators of crime when crime mm -hmm. occurs and creates a stronger, you know, community in these neighborhoods that help the police department work with the police department in preventing crime from occurring in the first place. And then most significantly, uh, we've embarked on a $25 million capital campaign uh, to build a new reality-based training center for the police department that will be used by other police departments locally and first responder agencies um, because as we learned, unfortunately, back in 2017, uh, during and following the horrific uh, mass shooting at the country music concert, uh, when we are faced with something that large, it takes a collective effort. Every single first responder 
agency in the valley, public and private, had to come together uh, to, to, to make that response as successful as it was. And so this facility will be state-of-the-art. It will be, uh, when it's completed, the finest in the nation. Uh, and so uh, we are in the final stages of the first phase of that campaign. We've raised 19 of that 25 million. And it's an example of when we're able to give the community uh, something big to get behind, uh, fortunately, uh, they're willing to do so. Um, and so I'd say all that combined has uh, created a platform for us to be successful in, in fundraising. Yeah, that was a short answer. Can you elaborate a little bit more? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you're laughing at my jokes. A few people do. Uh, but but to, to 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 get into to serious mode, and a lot of people share this opinion that that I have. Some people don't. Most of my audience, I believe, does. But I I rarely think that the answer you know comes from government or government intervention, that the best answers usually come from business and entrepreneurship and, and those type of innovative minds. And so I'm pleased to hear the engagement with, with the business community. And I think it, and there is a question coming here, but I, I do want to make this comment. I think that the message of if you if you want to bring businesses here and you want to have a safe business yourself that's going to thrive you you need a safe community with police and community engagement um you know i think of you know our friends at the pocua landry's we usually use landry's a uh, landry's location for most of our events if not all and you know they're very supportive of first responders uh, Tillman Fertitta is actually the chairman of the Houston Police Foundation, and they run theirs like a business. Yeah, and I know that their organization, if they're going to put a, a Bubba Gump or a Morton's <laughs> someplace, yeah, that that they want that community to, to be safe. You know that that is that is a business need. So I'm glad that they're supporting that mission. Also, when it comes to donors, whether you want to call them donors or sponsors or so forth, as they're lending their resources to a cause, you know, part of that, too, is what's in it for us and what's in it for our brand. How do we build our brand by doing good? And certainly, Safe Communities is doing good, but how, how does that enhance their brand by partnering with the Las Vegas Metro Police Department Foundation? How do you help them to possibly get exposure um, or enhance their brand in different ways by helping you? So it's a variety of ways that we are able to publicize the support we receive and to your point, uh, en enhance the brand of our donors and sponsors. Uh, we do a series of events uh, throughout the year. Uh, they're both programmatic as well as fundraising events. Uh, again, our mission is twofold, to raise money and to build stronger bridges between the police department and the community. And so one of the ways we feel we can build those bridges is help the community have a better understanding of who the people behind the badge are. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are 
people just like you and me. I mean, they have families, they have hopes and aspirations, dreams, stress points, challenges. Yeah. Uh, they're our neighbors. And uh, we believe that we have a responsibility to help the public have a better understanding of that. And so our largest event of the year, uh, what we call the Sheriff Salutes the Best of the Badge Gala, uh, gets over a thousand attendees. It's one of the largest fundraising galas in town. And that allows the officers who over the last 12 months before that gala, who had done something to receive the three highest medals the department issues for valor and bravery, get to earn, uh, receive those medals from the sheriff in front of a very large audience. And because we're able to get some media uh, to cover that event, they get that exposure beyond the room. And so do our donors and sponsors. So if you're a sponsor of that event, you're going to have your logo in front of a thousand people, and then you're going to have that uh, publicity beyond the room in the outreach we do into the media, social media, our own platforms, uh, as well as the print and online radio and TV broadcast mm -hmm. news coverage that we get. And so we believe that the public does want to support our police officers. Mm -hmm. And so by having these events in a variety of formats and for a variety of uh, reasons, we're able to give our donors and sponsors the opportunity to associate their brand with the public facing, you know, public safety emphasized programming that these events uh, provide. And that's just a, a good alignment uh, for our, our donors and a good alignment for the local companies that do support us. When we move into, you know, community engagement activity, you know, Thursday of this week, we're holding a press conference where we're going to announce uh, our annual school backpack and supply. Now a word from one of the POCUA's proud business partners, OfficerPrivacy.com. OfficerPrivacy.com was founded by Pete James, a law enforcement professional with over 25 years of experience. Pete wanted to find a way to help law enforcement officers protect themselves and their families. So he formed a team to create a way to quickly identify and remove their information from certain sites. Officerprivacy.com is the result. This service is already offered through a select few of our POCUA organizations. As a listener of Public Safety Talk Radio, you can take advantage of a special offer from OfficerPrivacy.com. Go to OfficerPrivacy.com slash POCUA, and when you sign up, you'll get two additional bonuses. In addition to removing your personal information from the top 30 people search sites, they will give you your first two months of monitoring free. This is a value of $39.98. In addition to that, you'll receive a cell phone privacy device, a 1999 value. This prevents data from leaving your cell phone when you use public charging stations and is a must when traveling. 
So go to officerprivacy.com slash POCUA today to take advantage of this offer and to protect your privacy. Organizations who are members of the POCUA and are interested in offering the service directly to their members, contact us at POCUA at btcinc.org. We're, we're giving 12,000 backpacks full of school supplies, and we're only able to do that because of our donors and you know, right. our principal sponsor of that initiative will be at the press conference with us and will be a, will be speaking towards the importance of you know providing these backpacks and school supplies um, and this year we're tying that to the opportunity for the recipients the youth and their families uh, to uh, get free vaccinations for for, for COVID. So there's a, an additional public health benefit uh, this year that we've never done before because we haven't had to do it. Um, and again, that's providing our sponsor of this program the opportunity uh, to get some really positive exposure into the community and show their partnership with law enforcement and together with the foundation uh, providing a really good public benefit uh, that will not only help these young people uh, more than likely uh, you know stay in school or stay more focused on getting an education but by having more and more youth stay in school graduate from high school that's a direct benefit to all of us who live here safety will increase and for the companies who are based here they're going to have even stronger sure. and deeper population to develop their workforce. And maybe we even get fortunate enough where some of those folks in those neighborhoods as they go through grade school, junior high, high school, decide to become a police officer or first responder uh, that could help the very community that they lived in <clears throat> that was helped out by the foundation and these businesses. Um, great story. Do any of your, and I see this unfortunately in some cities, that some sponsors, some donors are, while very supportive of the cause, are a little bit apprehensive, whether it's because of Black Lives Matter or other groups in the city of putting their name, their logo, their image with the foundation. Do you find that in Las Vegas as well with your foundation or is it a different culture and community in the greater Las Vegas area? We're quite fortunate. We have not experienced that sort of reluctance. You are quite fortunate then. <laughs> now, now that's not to say it doesn't exist here yeah. at all, um, but certainly not to the degree that I've heard from other police foundations around the country. Um, and that goes back to your initial question about why have we been successful when others might not have been over the last 12 months. And that's because our police department under the leadership of our current sheriff and previous sheriffs have really prioritized building those bridges and uh, with diverse communities. Uh, and in this case, in particular, the black community, um, which has had a historic uh, distrust of law enforcement. And while there are definitely um, members of that community, people who live here who are Black, who distrust law enforcement, uh, the percentage of them 
relative, I think, to percentages of other communities and cities around the country uh, is lower. And, and that means the percentage that are supportive uh, is higher. We have a very strong working relationship with uh, the local NAACP. In fact, on Saturday, uh, over the past weekend, we sponsored uh, a law enforcement panel. We had the sheriff, we had our state uh, attorney general, uh, we had the head of uh, the FBI here locally, the head of Homeland Security uh, for this region, uh, the district attorney. Um, they all came together uh, to provide the opportunity to share more about their agency um, and to ask questions from the community. And the primary audience members were general members of the local chapter of the NAACP. And so that's a forum yeah. uh, that was really meant to further the dialogue. And there were definitely people there who uh, came uh, with an agenda to express their concerns. Uh, but most of the people in the room were there to listen and learn and ask their questions. And I, I think it was quite a constructive uh, exercise. Um, if you came to the event willing to listen, right? right? Willing to participate constructively. Mm -hmm. um, and we're finding that for the most part, um, businesses here uh, want to be part of that constructive process and know that we're only going to create a safer community, safer Las Vegas, if we invest more in law enforcement, not less. And so they want to be part of that. Yeah, in some cases, they're choosing to maybe fund us for different uh, objectives. Uh, we certainly have had donors who in the past would have said, you know what, just use the money uh, to support our police department the way you feel best. Um, and some of them over the last 12 months have said, we really want to invest in you, the foundation, to invest in the police department in this very specific way. And this has less to do with a reaction to George Floyd's killing or another incident involving law enforcement somewhere in the country that was negative and a lot more to do with the economic situation of Southern Nevada mm -hmm. due to the pandemic. Uh, and so having these donors say, we want to invest in things like a backpack initiative um, because they know that's going to help those who need the help in our community the most mm -hmm. is a very different decision than saying we don't want to align with law enforcement right. or we don't want to fund police officers. We want to fund the community. And so we're fortunate that we've been nimble enough to be able to provide a variety of different objectives uh, that our donors can support. Uh, and, and so far, um, that's worked out really well for us, really well for the police department, and really well for anyone who lives or visits here because we're, you know, creating safer communities. Yeah, yeah. And entrepreneurial businesses have a tendency to be nimble. <laughs> so it's great to hear. And, and I really appreciate what I'm hearing and what you're doing with the NAACP. It's my belief that 
two thirds, maybe more of society uh, either staunchly support police uh, or are willing to talk about change in a positive way with police and I'm, I'm for all that you know unfortunately we'll have a a quarter of society or maybe a third or something less than that hopefully that just aren't going to listen but uh we'll we'll concentrate on the two-thirds to three quarters but the shift gears a little bit we we got a little bit off the rails but it was such an interesting discussion i want to get back to something we talked about earlier i believe maybe off camera which was the survey um you led a charge if i understand it correctly to work with other police foundations to develop a survey to basically educate um, the public on what foundations do and, and what you're doing in terms of community police engagement and so forth. Tell us more about that survey. And, 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 and I know from, from my own personal experience, uh, as great as it is in working with police organizations, and it really is awesome and rewarding, it's much like herding cats. So how did you pull that off? <laughs> well, it goes back to last summer and a number of police foundations were being attacked. Um, their donors were being attacked, their sponsors were being attacked, their board members were being attacked um, for supporting law enforcement. Uh, and unfortunately for us, like we did not experience that, but we did have a very unfortunate experience uh, in regards to funding. So I, I, I referenced earlier the training center uh, that we're building and working hard to raise $25 million. And we had uh, a funding opportunity uh, that was going to bring about $5 million to that project. Uh, would pretty much have concluded our first phase goal. And we were days away from signing that deal when unfortunately uh, George Floyd was murdered and the response uh, to that was, as we all know, all too well, uh, very strong. Uh, and this funder was, is based in Minneapolis uh, and they decided- Lucky you. <laughs> they decided that they could not afford what they viewed as the reputational risk uh, to continue with that funding for a law enforcement project. And it was an eye-opener for our foundation uh, and me uh, because we hadn't experienced that type of negative reaction uh, toward our work and toward the work of our agency. Now the irony of this is the most important training that we can provide our officers is the ability to de-escalate a situation because if they can de-escalate that situation it's going to more than likely mean that it's going to be a safer outcome for whoever they're addressing and themselves well that's exactly the issue at hand when you think about the incident involving George Floyd or some of the others that have received a lot of media attention, you had an officer been trained differently, perhaps the outcome would have been different. I can't say in every case it would have been, but right. we want to make sure that 
we're providing as much training as frequently uh, for our officers so that they're safer as well as the public is safer. And the facility that we're building is going to allow that to happen. Our police department has uh, one of the most progressive use of force policies and de-escalation training programs in the nation. And so by withdrawing their funding from this project, unfortunately, the funder was actually doing more harm than good. But it was a, a wake-up call that important big corporations that have a large role to play in supporting law enforcement can't continue to operate with the idea that it's too great a risk to their reputation to support law enforcement. So this report, the survey and the report that came from the survey uh, was basically born out of a conversation that a number of police foundation CEOs, executive directors were having last summer when we were all sharing our experiences of being under attack. And Joan Brody, uh, who's based outside of Chicago, uh, not, not far from you, uh, who has worked with a lot of My hometown <laughs> and, uh, uh, police departments um, from a grant writing perspective, uh, said, well, we need to start to demonstrate all the good that police departments are doing because of the funding they're receiving or the coordination they're receiving from police foundations. And so everyone thought that was a great idea. We ended the call, I picked up the phone and called Joan and I said, what would this cost? And she told me the number that she thought and I said, okay, I'll make sure it's funded. Let's move forward. And out of that came a survey uh, that we published in February uh, of this year that demonstrated that the vast majority of the work that police foundations are doing are supporting what anyone I think would agree is positive police community engagement. Mm -hmm. And our hope is that this report uh, will help change the portrayal of law enforcement more generally and police foundations more specifically uh, in the work that we fund that's providing positive benefit. Let's help get the focus on the positive and not only on the relatively small number of negatives um, that are out there. And so that's, that's the fundamental goal of that survey and the report. You know, the other objectives are one, um, to help the public have a better understanding that police foundations exist. Uh, we know of about 250 police foundations around the country. There are more, we just know about them, don't know about them. But more importantly, there are thousands of agencies around the country that don't have a foundation. And so we're hoping that through this report, uh, we will be able to uh, motivate other municipalities, other communities to form public safety foundations. Uh, and then once that trend happens, 
you know, hopefully by using this report and subsequent reports demonstrate the significant impact we're having and that hopefully will begin to change the perspectives of some of these big national funders uh, who made a decision last summer no longer to support law enforcement or to support it much less significantly uh, and feel that they couldn't align themselves publicly uh, with law enforcement. Was, was there anything as you did the survey and the report was being compiled and completed, was there anything that surprised you um, in terms of anything that the foundations or the, the survey pointed out? Or, or was it all, yeah, I knew all that. We just needed to put it in print. <laughs> well, there was a lot of that. Like yeah. What we found as people who are in this business every day uh, was what we expected. You know, we found that, you know, 80% or so of the foundations surveyed um, are supporting positive youth programming in the community. And that's athletics, that's arts, that's recreation. Um, it's providing opportunities for youth to engage with police officers in a very positive way. They're serving as mentors, they're serving as coaches, they're serving as teachers. Um, but we knew that. Uh, we knew that most police foundations were supporting training for our officers and wellness programs for our officers and their families. Uh, I think one of the things that, you know, was pleasantly surprising, right? I wouldn't have been able to say this without having the report been done, um, was that the population just of the foundation's who participated in the survey, and there was about 60 who did, um, that population totals 39 million people. Uh, those 39 million people are benefiting from public safety foundations. So we knew the work was happening, we just didn't have a way of being able to demonstrate how vast the work and impact actually is. Uh, and, and so uh, that was very exciting, and I'd say, Perhaps the, the biggest surprise was the interest in police foundations of having a collective voice, of having an opportunity uh, to learn from one another, uh, to share best practices on a regular basis, and to provide support for newer foundations to grow into becoming larger foundations mm -hmm. and for communities without foundations to establish them. Uh, there was no, and actually as of today, there is no national network of police foundations. And we're working uh, on that. <laughs> following the, yeah, following the, uh, the issuance of the report, we convened all of the police foundations who participated and uh, went through a strategic planning discussion about what they would like to see a national network provide and do. Uh, and so I'm, I'm pleased to be able to tell you that uh, we're now creating that. Yeah. Uh, we've had several meetings uh, since the spring when we issued the report and we're looking to do an initial meeting, a small conference, if you will, uh, here in Las Vegas in the fall uh, and bring together uh, as many uh, police foundations as possible for the really for the first time 
uh, with the intent to have an independent uh, association that will uh, provide us with a framework and a platform to have a collective voice so that we can try to influence not only the public uh, nationally, um, but also some of the more significant funders, whether they be private sector corporations or federal government, uh, where we can try to get more money to go to police foundations to support law enforcement. Yeah, I'm, I'm so pleased to hear about the work of bringing police foundations together. Um, we did that to a certain extent in 2019 with the National Police Credit Union with a small conference. And then, of course, you know, COVID, like many things, kind of derailed it. But uh, yeah, our one of our focuses at the POCUA is to bring multi-organizations together, not have all these disparate uh, niches and groups out there. And, I, and as a, another point, and I picked up on this as, as you were speaking, is you used police foundation and public safety foundation almost synonymously. And maybe that's where part of the answer is. You know, people think of police foundations, some people may, from an image standpoint as being just for law enforcement. Uh, but it's, it's for specifically public safety if it's run properly like your foundation, uh, where it's not just for cops, it's for communities, it's for the, for the whole city, if you will. And I think that from a branding standpoint, if we can get some of that out there, that it, it, and one thing that frustrates me, I've never been a police officer, but I've always been a supporter of police officers. I've worked with law enforcement for nearly 20 years. And when I hear this defund the police crap bluntly, um, and even defend the police, which are just phrases with really not a lot behind it, you know, my answer is always we need to develop police. And that's not necessarily, you know, more training on firearms or spending money on more vests necessarily. You know, you, you talked about this briefly. It's about officer wellness so that an officer is going out, you know, in the field, you know, not at 80% capacity, but at 100% capacity uh, for, for things like de-escalation, for things before there's even a problem of getting the communities involved, whether it be a little league team or, or the, as you said, the NAACP type of forum, things of that nature, where you're having those discussions, you're ha having those community involvements before there's even an altercation where it's a lot different than you just see somebody with a badge coming in, but you say, oh, that's Coach John. Yeah, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, police officer I may not care about, but I care about John. And if he's coming over here, then, you know, we need to tone this down a little bit. So I, I think that a lot of those things from a public safety standpoint, and when you think public safety foundation, it alleviates some of those problems before they even start. Now, do, I, do I have something there? Am I on to something or am I just ignorant and naive, Tom? <laughs> we completely agree with you. Uh, we were very intentional in using public safety in the title of this new organization. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think you're 
spot on that it is important to convey the broader scope of the work um, and the emphasis on public, the emphasis on community, because at the end of the day, that is who we all serve. Uh, and so I couldn't agree with you more on the importance of emphasizing uh, that, that broadness of the mission and public safety uh, over specifically just law enforcement or any other element of public safety. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I got something right today. Cool. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, as I often say it, even, you know, one of the taglines on the back of my public safety talk radio shirt is, is being pro police and pro change, you know, aren't mutually exclusive. And I'm for any change that not only creates safer communities for the whole public, but also allows all of our police officers to have a higher probability of going home safely to their families after all their shifts. Um, as we kind of close this up here, because it's been such an interesting conversation, I've taken a little bit more of your time than, than originally intended, but thank you for being a good sport on this because we're getting such good information out there. Uh, what advice or tips might you give some of the police foundations out there, especially some of the smaller ones that, that may be struggling a little bit, that may have, you know, really good people with passion and intentions, but may not have, you know, some of this, this business acumen that, that you bring in. What is, what, what's, if there's a number one tip or piece of advice, what might it be, Tom? Well, fundamentally, it goes back to where we started the conversation, right? Run your foundation like a business. Uh, stay focused on what businesses stay focused on. So a business just be successful um, is focused on its mission uh, and, and not allowing itself uh, to get distracted uh, by things that are not central to the mission. Uh, a good business uh, invests in itself. Uh, so I think, unfortunately, uh, too many nonprofits are fearful of spending money at times. Uh, and if any uh, company took that approach, they would never grow. Uh, and it's the same for a nonprofit. If you want to grow, and in our case, it's not necessarily growing the size of the organization in terms of the number of staff we have. It's the amount of money we raise that we can invest into the community, invest into the police department. Right. Uh, and so, you know, that involves spending money to raise money, just as in a for-profit corporation, it's spending money to make money. Uh, I've, that's all too often lost. Um, and the third thing is risk-taking. Mm -hmm. uh, any successful business uh, has taken risk uh, to get to that next level. They've taken risk to open a new market or provide a new product or service. Uh, nonprofits uh, are, are all too often uh, way too risk adverse. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so I encourage, especially the smaller nonprofits that you're referencing, uh, to take some risk, uh, to invest, uh, try something new, mm -hmm. uh, talk with the police department or public safety agency that they support 
to learn about what are their goals? What are some of the things that they believe if they had, some of the tools that they had or programs that if they had, mm -hmm. they would be more successful. Uh, create a story about that. Uh, create a vision around it and then go out and sell it. Uh, yeah. Because I know that they will find people in their community, whether that's an individual, a family, household, or small business, corporation, uh, who will be interested in supporting that vision and will be compelled by that story uh, to support that risk. But if the foundation isn't willing to take the risk, try something new, it might fail, might not go as well as they hope, um, that they won't grow. Uh, and, and too often, not only will they not grow, but they'll become stagnant and often contract. And, yeah. and that's definitely not progress and uh, yeah. healthy for our communities. And definitely not what we need right now. Um, it brings me back when I went to so-called consulting school years ago <laughs> and they, for 10 days, they pounded one concept into our head, which is every business only has three functions. And they even said it like this. I don't care if it's a restaurant, a charity, a church, a clown college, you know, a brothel, casino, whatever it is. There's only three functions to any business. And that's sales, operations, and finance. How do we get business? How do we do business? And how do we get paid? <laughs> that's all there is. And you use the word selling, whether it's selling an idea or selling a program. And I, I don't think that that is a bad word or, or phrase for police or as we probably should better say public safety foundations. I, I like that. I'm going to use that. Uh, as we close up here, last question, maybe the most important question is how can our audience find you, whether it's your consultancy on fundraising or to, to get an access to the survey and the report? Um, or just connect with you for what you're trying to build with police foundations. How can our audience best get in contact with you? Sure. Uh, best ways, email me, T Kovac, K-O-V-A-C-H, at donorbasis.com. Uh, but in order to learn more about the survey and the police foundation, it's lvmpdfoundation.org. There's a link to the survey and the report on our website, uh, but feel free to reach out to me uh, via email and uh, happy to have a conversation and uh, be of whatever assistance I can be to uh, your organization uh, of all of those, you know, who are you representing uh, from your listeners? So Perfect. thank you again for having me and for your interest in public safety and everything you do to support uh, all of us in the field. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you. It's, it's, it's my pleasure. I, I appreciate you spending so much time with me today on what I'm sure is, is a busy day and sharing a lot of this, this good information. Thank you, as always, for either watching or listening to this particular episode, the final episode of season two of Public Safety Talk Radio. And here's hoping that you will join us for season three in late 2021. As always, take care of yourself, stay safe, and we'll be with you soon. Thank you. 
Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.